Welcome to the Voices in Bioethics podcast. I'm Jennifer Cohen, and it's my pleasure to interview today Camille Castellane about the experiences that led her to the field of bioethics. Camille, you are the managing editor of Columbia's online bioethics journal, Voices in Bioethics, and you are simultaneously in two academic degree programs. You're a student in the master's program in bioethics here at Columbia University, and you're a PhD candidate in health ethics at the University of Pretoria in South Africa, and that is because you are a South African citizen. Welcome, Camille. Hi, Jennifer. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Terrific. Now, one of the factors that makes Columbia's bioethics program so rich is its large contingent of international students. But I think you're one of just two South African students currently in our program. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. So how and why did you decide to pursue your education in bioethics at Columbia so far from home? So basically, I had done my undergraduate degree in theology, but in my master's was about Christian ethics and genetics. And while doing this, I realized that I really wanted a more broader view of ethical principles. So basically, I was just looking at what was out there, and my family's always encouraged me to apply for anything and dream big. So when I found Columbia and Bioethics Program, I was really excited because I felt that it was an amazing place to be able to learn because of the amazing history that Columbia's professors has played in genetics specifically. If you just think about Thomas Morgan, who in 1993 actually had his fly room in one of the labs where he grew many, many flies basically and to understand heredity and mutation. And I just really felt that it was a place where I could learn so much. And Dr. Klitzman, who is the head of this program as well, he's also such a visionary in the field of bioethics. So yeah, I basically applied and then I got asked to um, write a essay about why I needed to fail because I'd actually failed one of my courses in my second year in genetics <laughs> and it didn't look great on my transcript, but in hindsight, it actually helped me. Yeah. Wonderful. So I want to get into both of those topics. You're interested in Christian ethics and you're interested in genetics. But first, what has your experience been as an international student in this program? Oh, it's been really amazing. I have to say that I was a bit concerned about just sharing my South African experience and wondering whether it would be at all relevant for anyone there and vice versa. But really the people at Columbia and at our program specifically are so just open-minded and really just remarkable people who have always encouraged me also to share my South African perspective. And they really do make space for diverse voices and are willing to listen and create a space that it's beneficial for everyone to just share their different experiences. Yeah. That's wonderful. So let's turn now to your undergraduate degree at the University of Pretoria, which, as you said, was in Christian theology. So the world's religions have made longstanding, thoughtful, well-developed contributions to ethics in general and medical ethics in particular. Today, especially in the academy, bioethics has become a much more secular field. So what role has your studies in religion played in your current study of bioethics? Yeah, so I think that's why I wanted to study bioethics, to have that broader view. 
And I think theology really taught me a kind of sensitivity, if I can call it like that, about people's perspective and religions. And oftentimes people would think that, oh, you studied theology, you might be super religious and want to like shove your religion down somebody's throat, but actually just taught me how to really be able to think critically and definitely to understand why people sometimes make the decisions that they do based on deeply held beliefs and really understanding where people come from when they do make these decisions. Yeah. And then, of course, from an academic point of view, the science and theology question is a complex one for sure. And one where I sometimes also still shy away from. (laughs) Do you find in general that religious values align with traditional principalism and bioethics? Or do you find that those values conflict? I would say that, I don't know, I wouldn't look at it necessarily like it either overlaps or it conflicts it's more as I say like the underlying why people make certain decisions for example in clinical ethics I think religious studies has definitely helped me I don't know if I'd say the principles I don't know exactly Okay. In 2017, you became an ordained minister in the Dutch Reformed Church. Can you talk more about that decision? Yeah, so that was basically part of my theology studies. And when you are at the University of Pretoria Theology Faculty, you can basically choose whether you want to be part of a church, because that kind of also shapes one of the subjects that you also have to take. So you could either choose non-denominational or you can choose another religion as well. So I kind of grew up in the Dutch Reformed Church. And I also, from a personal point of view, my own religion, I appreciate tradition and, or at least just a long-standing way of thinking about things, because I feel that's almost a safe way. So I basically got ordained in 2017 as part of my theology studies. And I did marry a few people or did the ceremonies but in the end it was not for me to make a full-time career of that yeah did you ever consider working as a chaplain in a clinical setting I haven't considered that no not really I don't know I don't think that's such a big thing in South Africa even though there are chaplains but yeah I guess that could be an option (laughs) let's turn now to your experience in genetics, your interest in genetics and ethics. As you said, your master's and doctoral theses are focusing on genetics and ethics. Can you flesh out the bioethical issues you're specifically addressing in your work in genetics? Yeah, so I'm basically looking at people's perceptions on genome technologies and the underlying values. So I basically did about eight interviews with people with open-ended questions about their opinions on why would gene editing be right or wrong or good or bad. But I specifically focused on gene editing for enhancement purposes because, as I think in some of our previous podcasts, we've seen that therapeutic gene editing is, most people agree that if we have the safe means to cure a disease, then we should do it. However, where the questions are, where is the line between therapeutic and enhancement purposes? So that's what really interests me. That's fascinating. And can you give us a preview of what those interviews 
produced? What were people's general views towards enhancement and genetic screening? These so-called slippery slope of the CRISPR-Cas breakthrough that also happened to Columbia and is ongoing there, and how that might be incorporated into a future that includes, as Dr. Klitzman's new book is entitled, Designer Babies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think it varied in the responses, but something that I feel quite strongly about is if we look at past experiences of what has happened in gene editing, I feel very strongly that we should find a way to manage it in a safe way and that prohibition is not necessarily the best way forward and rather to encourage discussions with all stakeholders, including the public, especially the public, so that it's not just the experts high up there or a scientist somewhere making these decisions, but because these decisions that we do make, especially if we do germline editing, has an impact on the whole human genome. Fascinating. So you've been careful to draw this distinction between therapeutic gene editing and enhancement. You have some personal experience with medical decision-making and genetics. Can you speak a little bit about the decision you made in your own life? That's right. So my mom had breast cancer when she was quite young, 28 years old. And we've had the discussion in our family whether we are two daughters, whether we should be tested or not. And it's still an ongoing discussion, but at the moment we have chosen not to be tested. Yeah, so my mom doesn't want us to be tested. However, me being in the field that I am, I feel that that knowledge might be power. But it's a complex decision because if I get tested or if my sister gets tested and I don't, then we'll basically know either way. So, yeah, we've had the discussion about it. And I think genetic counseling is really valuable as well in these decisions that need to be made. So that's a great example of your private life reflecting your intellectual academic work where you recognize that a discussion around genetic enhancement needs to be one that includes much more than the people specifically involved. Because in your own case, you realize an individual decision will have effects beyond just your own person. It will affect other yeah. people in your family. Yeah, definitely. Fascinating. So let's turn now to bioethics in South Africa and specifically to the pandemic. South Africa has its own bioethics journal, South African Journal of Bioethics and Law, and you have an article in the latest edition on resource allocation and vulnerable populations during the pandemic. How has the pandemic affected South Africa? And can you speak a little bit about your most recent article? Yeah, so basically the main concern was when the World Health Organization also announced this pandemic was specifically about firstly our healthcare system, which is at best of times thinly spread. And then the second was about our vulnerable populations. We have a lot of people who have comorbidities. If I can give you some numbers, we have 7.7 .7 million people living with HIV and 2.5 million with tuberculosis in a population of 59 million people. So that's quite a big chunk of our population. And as we've seen with research, comorbidities really does make your risk of having a serious case of COVID-19 more. And then the other factor 
pertaining to the public healthcare system is the socioeconomic factors that should be factored in. So, for example, 13% of our citizens live in informal settlements, and that really makes a lot of the precautionary measures such as social distancing and basic hygiene makes it quite difficult to do those things. So we were really concerned about our vulnerable populations and their access to healthcare institutions should they become sick. But luckily our president had made a very responsible decision right at the beginning when we had our very first case of COVID-19, which was on 5 March. He announced a national state of disaster on the 15th of March. So he was really playing it safe and he has been criticized for this because our economy basically came to a grinding halt because we were placed on what we call lockdown at one of the highest levels prohibiting our movement. But I still think that it it was the right decision at the time, even though there has been some serious economic repercussions of that. South Africa is sometimes referred to as the rainbow nation because it has a very culturally and ethnically diverse population with 11 official languages a whole range of religious traditions. How do you think this diversity plays into the ways bioethical issues are tackled? Well, I think it's a really interesting place to do bioethics for sure because of this diversity. We have to take into account a lot of different perspectives and cultures. And also in South Africa, 80% of people actually do claim that they are Christians. So definitely all of that factors in when we face any bicycle issue from euthanasia to even just basic ethical issues like gender-based violence, which is a very concerning and ongoing problem for us at the moment. So let's finish up by talking about the future. Where do you hope to make the biggest contributions to the field of bioethics? Uh, Wow, Jennifer, what a big question. (laughs) So yeah, I'm really excited to see what the future holds and I'm hoping to definitely stay involved in the global community and see where I can make a contribution and a difference in the end. At the moment, I'm really passionate about the genome technologies and also the values that make people say either it's wrong or right. So I was thinking I would even maybe one day want to work for, I don't know if you've seen The Social Dilemma, but Tristan Harris, who started the Center for More Humane Technology, I was thinking maybe that would be a great place to work as well somewhere in the future. Well, Camille Castellane, thank you for a fascinating discussion and best of luck as you finish your degrees and continue your career in bioethics. Thank you, Jennifer. I appreciate it.